Hello, hello, what is good? You're tuned in to Mango Masala, Pi Radio's new South Asian show, the hottest new Desi youth-oriented collective, bringing you the latest tunes and chai, Saturdays 3 to 5. Now, if you don't know me already, my name's Gerns. I present Play That Funky Music Brown Boy on Sundays 5 to 7. You should go check that out. But this isn't about that. This is Mango Masala, which is basically giving airtime to issues relating to individuals from South Asia, whether they are in South Asia or living in the diaspora, i.e. outside of South Asia. Just giving airtime to their issues, music, the culture, basically everything that you don't see in mainstream media, unfortunately. So, like I said, I'm Gerns, I'm of mixed heritage, I am Indian on my dad's side, and yeah, I just wanted to put this together just because I saw all the great work that Pi Radio is doing in terms of reaching out with the younger generation, especially of um, minority backgrounds. And I thought what would be great would be to just sort of like set up a platform where we can amplify South Asian voices, get in new South Asian talent, um, just kind of basically put it a bit more on the map because I think definitely that's what's needed right now. But anyway, that's enough from me. I am also joined in the studio with the other two presenters for today. I've got Simran and I have got Ben. And we will also have Halima, um, who unfortunately is having to isolate at home at the moment um, due to COVID. You know how it is. Um, But yeah, she should be joining us later for a bit of a quiz. But we'll get through all the topical stuff first. So before we get into that, um, Ben and Simran, do you want to just tell me a bit about yourselves, why you wanted to get involved in the show, etc., all that stuff? I think you've kind of nailed it, really, in terms of what I really want to achieve out of this. And I think we've all kind of got shared goals. Um, I think it's to really kind of promote South Asian talent and also kind of bring to light a lot of the issues that are currently going on in sort of the South Asian continent, really, at the moment. And um, for me, I think what really appealed to me in this entire situation was that I actually had a lot of thoughts about this growing up. And I think I wanted to kind of quench the thirst of many people who were like sort of 14, 16, still kind of going through those rough edges of trying to work out who they're, who they are, who, what, you know, what their um, ethnic background actually has to play in their life or what part of it has to play in, this life, in their life in a country that's pretty much so far away from their parents or their grandparents or whoever they've, you know, grew up with. And for me, it was like I wanted to kind of be able to understand a lot about my culture as well at the same time, because I felt like I lost a lot of touch with my background and my heritage. I mean, other than Bollywood movies that I've been told to sit and watch, which now I kind of enjoy growing up, having grown up as well. Um, But yeah, that's one of the main reasons I'm here. I think Ben kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. I think one of the main reasons why I'm here and trying to do this is, like you guys both said, to kind of provide a platform for a lot of issues that I feel don't necessarily get given the spotlight a lot of the time. So I think to have this platform and air out some things that have been going on in like politics and also just the general culture and what's new and like what's popping at the moment would be a really good way to like get that out there and then hopefully like show the appeal to a lot of people like South Asians and non South Asians alike. Just to get just to get the word out there and just show them like this is what we've got going on. So I think it's a really good platform obviously for like smaller artists and creatives as well. And also I think just to provide a bit of representation for like young people obviously growing up in the diaspora children and grandchildren of immigrants and kind of help them out with their little like you know their identity and how they might be feeling about their culture and how it affects 
so both like very different but equally um viable reasons to wanting to get involved in the show now we're going to get into some news so for the first segment we're going to focus on news that is relevant to the uk either from an asian perspective or that affects south asians we ready let's go into it right so first topic of the day coronavirus vaccine so obviously if you've seen the news at the moment you'll see that Mm. um vaccine is set to be rolled out as early as this forthcoming week now Mm -hmm. so hopefully in a best case scenario we would be looking to get people immune to coronavirus as early as in the next like year Mm -hmm. Mm. so first off any general thoughts on this and would you take the vaccine Ooh, do you want to go first or should i it's a sticky one still it is i think there's obviously going to be doubts because i think usually vaccines do take way longer to be Mm. created than like how long it's taken this one to be made um i think my first thought was no i'm not taking it (laughs) but upon reflection um i think it's less selfish to take it yeah the only reason i said i wouldn't was because obviously you don't know 20 years down the line is my arm gonna fall off you know like no one knows it hasn't been tested enough nobody knows what's gonna happen in like 20 40 years yeah so that was my kind of first instinct gut reaction i didn't know i was just like no i'm not taking it but then again i've seen a lot of things on like social media so i'm kind of on the fence right now not entirely sure sure and what about you ben yeah um similar to simran on that one um yeah taking it in terms of in terms of like selfish uh, less selfish causes is actually the only reason i'd probably take the vaccine ultimately and i guess you know the fact the fact that vaccines are pretty much going to be rolled out in like like you said the forthcoming week and i think it's even set for gps by the 14th of december and that's that's quite crazy like about like about six months ago we were told like it's probably even going to take four to three years before an actual vaccine comes through and now we're here with like a 95 percent proven vaccine or a 90 percent vaccine which is like it's kind of like Dettol saying like like 99.9 percent of germs can go but what's now what's happening with the five percent of potentially losing your arm or you know being ill what is this like losing your arm like where has this come from i don't know i think it's i think it's a little deep rooted fear for me (laughs) i've just got it in my head (laughs) but yeah i'm just on the fence i just can't decide. Like I said, yeah. my gut instinct was, no, I'm not taking a vaccine. But then it was yeah. the issue of, will they say, oh, if you don't take it, you can't get on a flight or yeah. you can't yeah. go out or you can't yeah. get a job or this, that and the other. But then is yeah. that in itself like rooted in maybe like selfish thoughts if we're thinking mm. like, oh, I would do it like for my own because, oh, I can't get a flight or, oh, I can't get a job rather than, oh, to save other people. Sure, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, it's weird how, it, I don't know if I call it selfishness actually. It's more like, is it like, it's the right it's the it's the greatest i've heard the saying so often and by many many people but it's for the greater good realistically speaking um i think we have to we have to kind of take the bullet on this one sometimes and sure i think we have to take a realistic approach as well because over over corona like everything's been so surreal like you know you're not seeing your man then you're not seeing no one like everything's been you know dead on like a bit of a hilt and no, we were planning on going to like on holiday or even doing park life or whatever like you know like festival season dipped like where is it and all we've got to expect is father christmas on the 25th this year 
and <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like it's like an entire year of our life has just kind of gone really quickly, and all I've done for it has been writing and researching articles and watching TikToks. <laughs> that, yeah, I think TikTok has been yeah. a major um, blowing up this year. Like, I don't think I don't think it. I don't think TikTok would have taken off as it is if it hadn't been for COVID. No way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Disney Plus, like the same. Like, mm. I think. I mean, I love Disney. Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, Aladdin. I write that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, cliche. Well, it's just, no, but it's Come a on. cliche, but then it's also like, that's like, because it's like the only like brown, like Disney, like apart from yeah, Jungle true. Book, but then Jungle Book is like, you don't really want to go and live in the jungle, but you want to like ride a magic carpet, don't you? Like, Listen, you know, I want to hang out with a bear that can sing. You know, tell okay, me fine. You go live in the jungle, Facts. I'll ride on the magic carpet. There. See, so, you got this one clutch. <laughs> um, moving on to the next um, subtopic, if you will. Mm. Um, obviously, I thought, it'd be good to discuss about how COVID has had a disproportionate effect right, on yeah. ethnic minority groups. So I was looking up about this and there's the Runnymede Trust, which is a race equality think tank, has mm. said that Bangladeshi and black African people are the most vulnerable, largely because of their jobs, um, household, public transport, they're yeah. unable to um effectively isolate from the virus and a lot of them there's a lot of multi-generational households obviously like if you look at um white families or white traditional british if you want to call it that um families a lot of the time it'll be sort of like live in the house you're like 16 18 move mm-hmm. out never look back again like sort of that thing yeah but yeah. with um it's not just south asian but it's um all um i think minority ethnic yeah. um families it is a thing where like you'll you might move out for a bit but then you, at least like the eldest son or something will kind of like move back and like a bit yeah maintain that family unit which has kind of worked against minority ethnic people in this circumstance because yeah. it's mean they're more susceptible to get the virus i also found out that five percent more so 28 percent of bane people would consider themselves to be a key worker mm-hmm. whereas only 23 percent of white british people would which obviously means there's a lot more Bane people actually out yeah. there, like, yeah. on the front line sort of thing. Um, so how do you think, like, minority ethnic people or South Asians um, in Britain have been treated or have how, how have they coped throughout coronavirus considering those statistics? Ooh, um, I've got to say, part of it is, like, I think as, as as Asian people go, it's like a lot of pick up your stuff, we're just going to keep going with it. We're going to keep rolling with the punches because there isn't really another option. Um, my mum and dad um, both, again, caught COVID as well. So it was, dad, again, didn't have any symptoms, whereas mum did. So her, both of them being NHS like nurses, it's it's not really surprising to hear that a lot of people do get COVID, like especially in the hospitals. Um, I was even having a chat with someone in Altrincham and... Uh, though they they were white but like it's crazy to hear like that there wasn't a lot of safety precautions or initially to begin with and to hear that a lot of people were you know being infected and there were so many people that just it was is a constant thing so to hear those statistics they weren't necessarily shocking to me mm-hmm. um as and especially back then when i was researching all of this um what it did feel, make me feel like it was that a lot of the older generation, especially like my mum and dad or um, Simran's mum and dad or Halima's mum and dad or even your mum and dad, do you know what I mean? Like they're all, we're all in kind of, they're all in this place where like it's just life and that's kind of how they have to roll with. Yeah, no, I definitely get that impression. Like certainly from my dad, like it's mm. sort of kind of like just 
get on with it like it's, yeah. it's the work ethic as well like yeah. it's, it's yeah. crazy like and it's a good thing as well because obviously like it means that they, they care so much about providing for their families they care so yeah, much about yeah, like, yeah. just getting on with it but then also it surely is going to have some kind of counteractive yeah. element to it my mum didn't have the best reactions like she was after after covid sort of like not died down necessarily but like in terms of the summer months i um I obviously got to go back home and actually you know spend time there and in the first two weeks i was there she was literally detailing everything i touched she was like no no you've been outside or you've literally walked downstairs i'm still going to spray that and i was like wow this is a bit extra but then again i think it's also affected a lot of the mental health amongst a lot of the older generation as well also whatsapp that blew up crazy like i think you had a lot of people in asia and india currently even losing their minds about like what to do next and these like self-help sort of self-care myth, rhythms yeah um, chain mails yeah, like, yeah. The i could say my mum is <laughs> oh going my make sure you have some ginger yeah it'll all be fine <laughs> yeah simran do you have any um thoughts on how the bame community as a whole has like gone through coronavirus i was gonna say i think we've coped so well we've been extremely resilient and like mm-hmm. i said like mm-hmm. ben said sorry um I think everyone in the generation above us and the generation above them, like my grandparents, for example, have been so resilient in the face of this like pandemic and they have just kept the attitude of just carry on with it, just kind mm. of get on with it. I do think though, like Ben said, it has affected mental health amongst them. Cause I feel like, especially for the older ones, like for my grandparents, um, for example, I think in their entire lives, they've never seen a year like this. I was mm. speaking to my grandmother the other day and I asked her and I was like, I was like, you're like 68. Has this ever happened before? Have you ever had a year like this? Like, like, have you seen anything like this before? She was like, Simran, this has been the worst year ever. She was like, in all my years, I've never seen one like this. It's the worst. And I was like, that's just horrible. Like, yeah. in in all her life, she's never said a, like, a year's been worse than this one. This is the worst <laughs> one yet. Like, yeah. that's just crazy to me. So yeah. I think it has taken a toll on their mental health. But on the whole, I reckon they have been extremely resilient to it. They've coped really well. So that kind of brings me on to the next point, which is obviously both of you have been saying about how I would say like you're, you're proud of how like the community Definitely. is like being like yeah. the very. Then we rewind back to July. I think it was like the last day in July. Yeah, I was out. I was doing my Uber Eats shift. I was at McDonald's on Oxford Road. I was like, I'm waiting for my order, so I just like go on my phone see the news oh yeah manchester's going into lockdown tomorrow mm. and it immediately clicked for me i was literally like wait <laughs> it's it's eid tomorrow like how that's that's not gonna work <laughs> like um and also you had the following i think it was like the following day or shortly after that lockdown came into place um conservative mp craig whittaker said said quote the vast majority of those breaking lockdown rules are from bame communities he didn't provide any evidence to support those claims, and he suggested that Bain people, particularly Muslims, are not taking the coronavirus pandemic seriously enough. Now, I just want to like say, like, come from a completely unbiased standpoint, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think there is any sort of truth behind that at all? Or obviously, the general sentiment of it is, oh, blame the. Um, people of colour but do we think that not necessarily that Bane people have any part to blame but do we think that we as a community have taken this seriously? I think on the whole we've taken it very seriously that's just my experience of it anyway Mm. but I think villainising the BAME Mm -hmm. community 
doesn't help. And I think, like I said, talking about the mental health thing, hearing that, you know, the lockdown came at 9 9 p.m. the day before Eid, that is so disheartening for people to hear, especially for the people that did stick to the rules and weren't messing about. Mm-hmm. That's just disheartening. And if you wanted to take off toll on their mental health, that's how you do it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I think just the constant villainization of um, people of color in the media surrounding coronavirus has just not contributed to anything. It's not helped anything. Yeah. And it's just, like you said, he said that quote, which was completely inappropriate. He said that quote without any evidence, without any truthful backing. It tends so, to be a very uh, similar trend over yeah. the course of the year, to be fair. Definitely. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, ben, any thoughts like how do you think in, in light of that statement do you have any like thoughts on whether you think again i think i think you put it right sim when it's not a case of um our bane communities to blame mm-hmm. but do we think that they've been villainized or do we think actually okay fair enough we'll put our hands up we haven't been totally like following the rules what do you think so again i coming from a completely impartial standpoint um you've got to remember like everyone's an individual right mm-hmm. Um, but throughout this pandemic, if one thing is clear, people have been afraid of this pa- pandemic and in def- in, for sure has been a lot of the older generation. Um, but again, like it's not it's not new to be blamed for things like is it like it's like if we think about it, not just that long ago, the young students were blamed for coronavirus cases rising. School, school students were blamed for that, too. And, you know, a lot of these situations going around like it's just been one massive blame game. It's been, oh, let's go with um, the Muslim community going with, oh, yeah, so they're celebrating Eid tomorrow, so that's going to be a massive super spreader. Okay, so let's blame them. Or the university students are coming back. Let's let's blame them too because, you know, they're going to be raving because, you know, clubs are open apparently. And that's how things spread. And I think it's, it's, it's for me, I think it's just, it's partly rude and it's definitely kind of insensitive to the people who've been sticking by the rules. Mm. So... You know, ultimately, whether it was just towards the BAME society, I just think there's this problem, just generally speaking, with actually owning up. Accountability is a big thing. And I think that's missing from certain aspects of this government. For sure. Mm. So I think, personally, my opinion on it is that obviously I think it's pretty brutal to be blaming one entire sort of ne- um, one entire network of people almost yeah. to say that this is your fault yeah when co- travel corridors are open or yeah, these things are opening up before you know? like any sort of lockdown was even lifted you had all these um raves going on yeah and i i'm just like i'm throwing this out there but i don't think the majority of people there mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. of minority yeah. ethnic backgrounds like because i've seen the videos yeah. and yeah. it is majority white so is why are you not saying like oh white people haven't been taking the coronavirus seriously like you would never yeah. say that yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah it's like I remember it was someone. I, th- I think his name is John Snow. Yeah, um, he made like that John comment. I, I can't remember what he was commenting on, but he said um, he was. He's like just noting on a documentary. He said, "Oh, there's so many white people there," and I think it was sort of it was a negative thing he was commenting on. Mm. So he said, "Oh, there's so many white people there," and he got berated for saying, "Oh, there's so many white people there." But it's like mm. literally there are so many white people. He's there. literally <laughs> pointing out, <laughs> <It's> literally, <laughs> and it's like you would literally say like, "Oh." there's lots of black people there oh there's lots of brown people there but when it comes to white people it's suddenly like oh no like so how dare you yeah how dare you uh um going back to the topic though final point on the coronavirus vaccine so a few um bame mps have mm-hmm. actually made the first steps towards taking the vaccine in an yeah. effort to encourage more um volunteers from a bame background to come forward yeah. so i just wanted to know like what your 
thoughts were on this because I looked into it and um, said thousands more people from BAME backgrounds as well as those um, aged over 65 are needed for COVID um, vaccine trials. BAME people are underrepresented in clinical trials despite being disproportionately affected. So what what do you think about that? Do you think that more BAME people or more South Asian youth should come forward to volunteer for the vaccine? Or do you think that it's kind of bad how the standard of health is sort of like the, the yeah. white person? Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, again, like I'd say, you know, I mean, like even before we have to take the vaccine, there's, a, there's so many different like things that we have to, you know, get through. The variables are if you're old and you're vulnerable, then you get the vaccine first. If you're a um, key worker and you work at the NHS, you get the vaccine first. Or if you're a young person with underlying health issues, you get the vaccine first. So, you know, I think if I was a young person with underlying health and health conditions, for me personally, and this doesn't have to go for anyone else, generally speaking, but I think for me, I'd rather be able to kind of help, at least help with the progress. So I would probably take the vaccine, realistically speaking, despite knowing, the you know, the statistics, whether, you know, like the, the, universe, the AstraZeneca vaccine is like 62% to 90% effective. That's kind of like, am I losing an arm again, you know? <laughs> Or oh, am I losing a leg? I don't know. I feel like we're jinxing this. Like we're gonna come back and like. I'm just gonna be like zero arms out. Gonna be... Didn't need it anyway. But you know, yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's it's a big risk playing with vaccines at this moment in time because ultimately I'm a I'm a big fan of vaccines. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, like you know, ultimately they are there to help, right? You know, no one's gonna be, no doctors out there are gonna be like I'm gonna jab you with uh, the tuberculosis vaccine so you get it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm it's like ja- or the common thing at the moment is I'm gonna jab you with the microchips or whatever. Yeah. It's oh, like God. literally like what do you think these yeah. are? Like look, yeah. they literally know everything. <laughs> like it's there's like, nothing I, more to find out. It's like I don't want my privacy being tracked. You just you know you just click to the terms and conditions. You're being tracked from yeah. day one. Yeah. Man. Uh. Like it's it's not. Uh, we live with this. We live in a world where we think that we're actually like so secure away from everyone else but like trust me you're being watched and it's not like it's like oh you're being watched and uh, we all know what you like and we all know what you do that's google you know like you see these google ads if you're searching on asos or whatever yeah it's it's basically that like there's a really good netflix show and i forgot what it is so i'll probably tag it on a twitter post sometime later mm. but it, it, it's again the same thing like all these things with tracking or like whether you're getting a vaccine this is only just to make sure that you're vac- vaccinated and that you're not passing it on to the next person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in terms of saying it to young people, young um, BAME kids or the youth, I should say, even, I would say do it if you feel like it's what you want to do. And you shouldn't feel forced to do it if you don't feel right about it. And that's really the only thing I could probably push push towards, I suppose. Sure. Um, Simran, any final comments on the vaccine? Yeah, I think I do agree with what you said that like, what the BAME MPs taking this vaccine kind of signifies is that it, we do have the overshadowing kind of image that the prototype of health is yeah. the white body. So I think that does kind of exemplify that issue and show us that like, for us to be recognized, we have to do our own separate thing and sure. like make a massive sure. point of it. But also this whole thing is sounding very black mirror. <laughs> like it's all getting very scary where it's like, oh, Boris Johnson will take the vaccine live, live on TV or yeah. whatever. Like, did you see that? yes like <laughs> i literally saw it and i was like that's got to be a joke like surely like it's all just getting a bit but what, strange why do we need to see i don't i don't want to like it's so boring 
Like literally, like all he's gonna do is inject himself. Well, like, I mean, I saw it trauma. on um, Instagram, and all the comments, like literally every comment was like, um, "It's water. It's gonna be water. There's no way he's going to take it on um, live TV. There's no way he's gonna take it at all. It's gonna be water." Da da da. And I like, really oh, said he's wow. gonna take H two O on live TV. <laughs> yeah, an injection of water. They're like they're Madness. gonna make it look like water or whatever. And I was like, right. Oh dear. Right. Final point, I think, on general UK news. So there was a report that I think was released this week um which um was um titled the inner lives of troubled young muslims and it concluded that there is a lack of trust between young muslims and service providers and that islamophobia and extremism have caused a climate of fear and suspicion and a lack of understanding from providers and that the covid lockdown has had a huge effect Mm. on young muslims who are leading double lives and are feeling suffocated at home. Now, unfortunately, we don't have Halima here because I'd probably go to her yeah. first um, for, from the spe- perspective as a Muslim. But because she's not, I'm probably going to go to you, Simran, first as, obviously, psychology expert. <laughs> um, do you want to give, like, what, what are your thoughts on, like, just general mental health? Obviously, you can't really speak for the Muslim community, but for the South Asian community in general. As in, in relation to... Um, the pandemic and everything i think a bit of both so like first of all mental health in the south asian community just a brief outline and then going into how you think the pandemic has further escalated or diminished that Mm -hmm. well i mean this is obviously a very big topic and Mm. i think talking about it we just kind of scratch the tip of the iceberg sort of thing but mental health amongst amongst the south asian community i think there's a lot to unwrap here like there's a lot of issues there's a lot of stigma attached to everything and while i feel like there are in some ways we've progressed loads in the last 10 years there are some ways where i feel like we've taken 10 20 steps back and there's still a lot of people that are still living like it's the 1990s like it's just like it's just 20 30 years ago we haven't progressed it's not modern times at all and i think with mental health it's just not taken seriously enough in our community and that people really do take the attitude of we'll just kind of brush it under the rug and if we do that it will just disappear it doesn't exist and then therefore everything will get better instead of kind of seeking help and kind of going about it the way that you need to to get like a a really healthy outcome but there's nothing really in our community that supports that i do follow a lot of uh, accounts on instagram that do provide a lot of representation and they do kind of aim to break down these stigmas and the boundaries surrounding mental health and the stereotypes but i feel like if you don't follow those accounts and you don't see that yeah, kind of stuff it's, it's a, you're making a choice to engage of with course, them of course of yeah. course and if you don't make that choice then you're not going to know sort of thing mm-hmm. um do you have any to mind that i just off the top of your head that are worth a follow for any listeners out there um there's one especially for the ladies there's one called the indian feminist uh that's a really good one uh brown psychology is a good one south asian therapists and off the top of my head those are probably the top three okay yeah um also as like an aspiring psychiatrist i think what I've learned recently a lot is there needs to be a lot of, a lot more representation of South Asians in the medical field, both mm. in like normal medicine, psychology, psychiatry, all those avenues yeah. definitely needs mm. to be shown. I think that it sounds funny when you say that because I think a lot of people will be like, what is she talking about? Like literally, <laughs> have you not seen like the number of doctors? Like it's literally, doctors, yeah, like, yeah. But no, it's like, I think definitely like encouraging yeah. um, people in the South Asian community to go mm. into medicine and not, just go down the no the stereotypical my son's a doctor route yeah i think yeah like especially in psychology i've realized that 
if you were coming to your psychologist who wasn't of the same heritage as you yeah. with your issue that pertained very specifically to your culture, yeah. they wouldn't be able to tell you what to do. They wouldn't be able to give you a good enough answer on yeah. here's yeah. how you go about it or here's how you deal with your problems. Yeah. And that's why mental health isn't getting addressed the way it needs to. And people yeah. probably aren't seeking help because when they do, it's not sure. helpful. Ben, I think you said before to me that you'd done some kind of yeah. research on so this. This was a while ago when I was actually just like writing up articles for every sort of um, news outlet that there was. And I remember, like, I guess also from personal experience in terms of also hearing what my friends had to say. And just like, I guess this also is also another BAME topic, really. Um, but especially within the South Asian uh, community, I think, not to kind of put a joke on it, but like, most people's parents kind of go like have a try on a paracetamol you should be fine <laughs> get on like i think it comes down to also the whole work ethic thing really as well it's like just get on with it yeah. like ultimately like it's like oh and back back in my day there's no such thing as depression or like sure. it's more like a yeah. what are you stressed about gcse's writing down stuff it's just a stressful day dad I'm like well no you know i mean like not necessarily my parents my parents were you know they're very i would like to say my parents are very sort of thoughtful in that on that front um but again they're also people that genuinely don't believe necessarily in terms of what mental health can also pertain amongst many other people like it's you know for other people it's like for my parents it's more like a clinical thing as opposed to a a serious thing well it kind of like for for them they just see it as clinical whereas yes, it can't really affect everyone else yeah sort of thing. right so oh does he have this does he have ocd all right what 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 percent what pertains to it right you know or what sort of suggests that he has this um outward problem and a lot of this is you know with mental health it's a lot of internal struggles it's the whole point of it being mental health. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Simran pretty much nailed it on the head, really. Like, I think it kind of needs to be addressed so much more. Like, I don't want to say in an aggressive fashion, but I think it, it's coming to a point, like you say, we're going, you know, we're, we've come so far into 2020, but we're still taking 20 steps back. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it definitely needs to be addressed in the sense that the older generations need to see that these are legitimate problems that mm-hmm. so like you know these go to a th- uh, therapist to talk to someone because mm. i think in this day and age it's like if you wanted to go and talk, tell your parents they just kind of brush it off yeah you'd really end up having no one to talk to and i think those instagrams are really really good to actually check out so I would certainly recommend anyone who's kind of going through this at the moment or going through a tough time check them out sure um, just one final point on mental health in the South Asian community. Just something I've been thinking now. Why do you think it is that, considering how far along we are in terms mm. of having knowledge and accepting about various mental health struggles, yeah. and obviously, like you're saying, a lot of this work ethic is just kind of just to just shrug it off and just get on with it. Yeah. There's surely yeah. so many older generation south asian people out there who have gone through stuff and have continued to put on this work ethic and just continue on just keep swimming sort of thing yeah and it's like why do you think that even after they've proper been through it that that they've been through themselves why do you think they don't like want to give in at all and actually okay i need help i think the issue massively what that comes down to is awareness yeah i think when you're having a problem but you're not aware that it is a problem mm-hmm. you don't see it as a problem yeah. if you don't attribute a label to it like that was depression that was ptsd that was anxiety if you can't attribute a feeling to what you're feeling you won't recognize it as an official thing that's going on yeah so i feel like that's just the way their lives and their society was set up in that no one acknowledged it therefore it didn't exist so yeah. whatever they went through I, i'm sure you could say a lot of the people in the older generations probably do suffer from PTSD, anxiety and depression 100%. amongst other things. 100%. But it's not being recognised because they can't 
attribute a label to it they can't attribute a feeling and it's also a case of pride as well isn't it really like you know like auntie's and uncle's chat so i think it's one of those things that they don't want to be seen as like the weak one where it actually you know that whole thought the thought of being weak is something that the asian community generally doesn't like being labeled with but i think there's a there's a strength in weakness and especially with addressing a problem Mm-hmm. like being out there and just saying that actually mum and dad i'm having a tough time and i'd like for you to take two seconds out of your day just to be able to kind of address it and understand where i'm coming from do you know what i mean and i think that's a conversation that sometimes almost instantly gets brushed under the carpet because it's like here you go here's your try and parachute well, get gone now yeah but i do think like just coming off what you were saying as the generations go on like we might not be able to teach like our grandparents generation about this kind of stuff but i know like with my kids i'm going to be a lot more easier on them and kind of be a lot more recognizing of the issues they're going through and understand way more i think and i think that's going to be the general consensus across our generation how we're going to treat our kids yeah so i think while there might not be loads you can do to reverse kind of the inbuilt structures that kind of the older generations are experiencing and why they act the way they act and why they think the way that they think we all we can do is kind of educate them as much as we can but also take it in and use that for the future going forward sure Leads us on to the next segment, which is celebrity news. Um, unfortunately, it's a bit of sad news. Um, Nish actually recently put up as an, is, on his Instagram that he is has been diagnosed with chronic um, myeloid leukemia, which is a specific and unique type of blood cancer. Um, taking a quote from that post, he said, the illness is very treatable, hence for this reason, Nish will temporarily be offline until his chemotherapy treatment is complete. Now, um, I don't think either of you two listen that much to Nish, do you? No. No. So it's probably not that much to talk about in terms of his music, but I was just saying, it must be horrible to be a celebrity and go through an illness like that. Like, obviously, it's horrible no matter what to go through a chronic illness. And you might think, oh, celebrities, but they can like get whatever treatment they want. But then I was just thinking, like, surely being in the public eye and going through something so horrible must be it's really hard to kind of, and really mind-boggling to sort of process. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, for sure. I think going through such adversity in the public eye is just added stress. Like, you're stressed enough, there's so much going on, probably day to night, you're just thinking about your condition and what's happening and what's the next step to take. I think the last thing you kind of need is people putting in their opinions and stuff. Yeah. I think on the whole, people do give well wishes a lot. Yeah. People are very like sensitive towards these things, but you are always going to have the opposite end of the spectrum where people troll you or they try and make okay. comments or just you know just unwelcome comments and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, no, for real. I think like similar to kind of how Chad Char- Bozeman did it. I reckon it. Ma- I imagine like he just didn't want to talk about it. You know, ultimately, because like being that far up and that high up in sort of stardom. The last thing you want is, I guess, maybe some people might be petty, but other people, it's just like too much involvement. I think, especially Nish being in the public eye so much as well, like it's one of those things where, like, why would you want, like, like, like someone said, why would you want, even if it was well-meaning wishes? I think the last thing he wants is likes on his Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he yeah, wants like to just be with his family. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's mad as well because um, I think on his Instagram he said it was on the 26th of November that he got diagnosed. Wow. But then I heard him on the radio earlier this week, like doing an interview, and I was like wow like you're still going out like and mm. still like doing everything despite going through chemotherapy like because that that's that's your life that's your career sort of thing like yeah it's just mad but, it's extremely extremely brave as well just yeah you know being out there and still carrying on with your life i think that's why i had such a that's why everyone's got such a huge round 
and even if it's a newfound respect or if it's just like a huge profound respect for Chadwick Boseman as well like mm. he did what four films during his battle with um, leukemia yeah no one knew that that to me and especially being in such great shape for Black Panther that is mad that is insane to me I suppose one good thing is that he'll be remembered like not for his illness, but remembered as being such an amazing, dedicated, yeah. like, dedicated actor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so to round that off, we wish Nish um, the best yeah. and hopefully speedy recovery if it is, like, a, they, he said as in Instagram, it's a treatable type of um, cancer. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he is better soon and obviously not a priority, but also releasing new music soon as well. Yeah, um, getting back to what he loves to do. Yeah, exactly. So on to the next news point, obviously bit more light-hearted but it is that Priyanka Chopra has been appointed as the British Fashion Council ambassador so as this ambassador Priyanka will support the British Fashion Council through raising awareness and promoting the best practice within the fashion industry so first up thoughts on Priyanka Chopra I'm not her biggest fan (laughs) any particular reason i think she just got a lot of involvement in indian politics and her opinion sometimes that she puts very out there very publicly yeah Yeah. they're not the most favorable and they don't really support like minorities and people like me yeah that one where um was it she was having an interview and someone in the audience basically like called her out yeah she was just like are you finished yeah (laughs) that was kind of badass i was like are you done yeah like imagine, <laughs> imagine the power and that voice just being yeah. like yeah. are you done now mm. okay cool but no i am um, so sort of like i'm stretched on this one but like i well not really stretched because like again when it comes down to you know how someone treats someone you kind of have to take it at that value you can never take it at like oh you're an amazing actress you're stunning great but it's ultimately like finding a girlfriend or a boyfriend or like finding someone you want to spend the rest of your life with great you can look amazing but if you're you know your personality is like trash like i'm not gonna be taking out the bins every week like do you know what i mean like this isn't what i want to do do you know what i mean like nick jonas what are you playing at nick, nick jonas what are you playing at <laughs> nick it's also like regardless of like thoughts on priyanka chopra i'm like it's not as bad as you remember when katie perry was appointed the british um what was it she was appointed the ambassador for british asian trust yeah <laughs> Remember, I just remember this picture of her <laughs> with this little kid who just looks at people like, what is going on? It's just not as bad as that, but like still, obviously Priyanka is of Asian origin. Yeah. Um, so that, that's great. But also, yeah. why is she being appointed this ambassador for the British Fashion Council? Like, surely someone who is British and still Asian. And but, fashionable. Yeah. Like, <laughs> bit of a, a bit of a low blow there. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, surely there's so many more people who would have been better for, for the sure. position like when i think of fashion even asian fashion i don't think of pranka chopra like i just yeah. she has some questionable fashion choices sometimes and i just look and i'm just like oh girl that's bold um <laughs> bold very universal bold. term for don't like it yeah <laughs> bold um uh, yeah it's a bit of a random one really where she's come from in this is is kind of like the katie perry thing like yeah what that obviously that that's even more like just like why how what like well that's just straight up wrong yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie when you sent me that like, when you sent me the up um, the upcoming like run up and i was like reading this i was thinking excuse me what <laughs> what do you Honestly. mean uh, like i mean to be fair like you the, the british fashion industry is so 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 crazy 
Mm. There's like there's like everyone like everyone sort of deeply rooted within it, having many fingers in many pies, and mm. it's it's crazy to think that like Priyanka Chopra, um, you know, a woman of Indian descent, or of in basically from India, really, and kind of being a part of this like different world. And I'm like, what? I mean, like I know she's like one beauty pageant in the past, and like she is like Miss World or something. Yeah. But even then, I'm a bit like, I'm not totally sure how you're gonna tell me how to dress. Yeah. I yeah. mean just thinking off the top of my head obviously fast fashion it, it considering big that problem. the british big, big problem. yeah considering that the british fashion council is meant to be promoting the best fashion practices obviously people in fast fashion probably wouldn't be the best people to do that because a lot of their practices are questionable but just thinking about that the owners of boohoo pretty little thing um nasty girls the misguided like they're all asian so like mm-hmm. obviously i get why you wouldn't necessarily go to them because especially this year a lot's come out about like the conditions that their workhouses that their warehouses literally called them workhouses <laughs> the conditions that their warehouses um are carried out under but still you'd think that there would be some like surely they'd have some involvement you know what i mean like there's mm-hmm. so many mm-hmm. british asian people involved in the fashion industry why would you not go to one of them yeah yeah so. i think it's also the clout you've got to remember like Priyanka Chopra now carries a considerable amount of clout. Like, mm. I mean, one not just because you're married to like Nick Jonas, but like, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like Priyanka's richer than Nick Jonas by many, 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 many dollars. But I think when it comes down to Priyanka Chopra, she's a big name. She is, you know, again like a former model. She's made her millions from movies. She's probably more. She's probably definitely more recognised than the average like entrepreneur in England, a British Asian entrepreneur. So I think that's probably one of the reasons that the British um, the British Foundation for Fashion actually went for them. But then it's, it's like it's confusing though, really. For, isn't a, it? for ambassadors, like, do you just go to anyone? Like, just have a list of like celebrities who have some kind of like Link, following. Yeah. Be like, hmm, I like that one. <laughs> like, you know what and I mean? she's Asian. Yep. Click tick box. I don't know. I I can't really give that much comment on it because I'm yeah. not particularly yeah, yeah, yeah. into like fashion, but like just interesting point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna get into our um overview of the topic of the week, which is this ongoing situation in Punjab with the Sikh farmers. And yeah, I won't go into it too much. Um, I know we also covered it if you were listening to play that bunker music, Brown Boy, last Sunday. We went into it briefly, but do want one of you to want to give the people just a brief overview of what's actually going on in Punjab at the moment. So essentially the situation in Punjab is that the region of Punjab, which is a little region in northwest India where predominantly Sikh people live and there's a lot of Sikh uh, men there who are farmers, obviously they sell their crops at a price and what's happened is the Indian government have decided they're going to introduce a new law which is going to like vastly increase the price of these uh, crops that they're trying to sell which provides for a lot of the agriculture in India, like a really significant portion of it. And what this means for them is that they no longer live on a livable wage. They can't afford their lifestyles. And the price and the laws and the taxes and sanctions that have been imposed on them in the last kind of decade have been changing a lot towards this manner. And as a result, it's it's, uh, resulted in a really like increased number of uh, farmer suicide. It's a really big uh, problem that's happening in the community there. And what's happening uh, recent days is that they've mobilized around I want to say 50,000 farmers to march from Punjab which is in northwest India all the way to Delhi in central India to get into Delhi and protest and yeah. protest these um, 
price changes that have happened what's happened is they've been met with a lot of police brutality like uh tear gas water cannons their uh entryways have been blocked and it's become a massive issue that i think a lot of people are beginning to recognize as a problem i mean vice has reported on it bbc news has reported on it itv's reported on it now so it is gaining traction but i feel like we're not still there yet and there's not day to day there hasn't been loads of progress made because the farmers are still there sure Um, how do you think it actually got to this stage like obviously every uprising has to have tensions that have been building for some considerable amount of time so is that the case here or Um, is it a bit of like a sudden thing uh well again bearing in mind like as as Simran just said suicides have been happening for many years and in, in this case well over 20 and you know the party that's currently uh, the governing government in India is the BJP currently, and they've only been power in power for the last five years. So realistically, you know, like these suicides, as many as like three thousand five hundred and seven suicides have happened since two thousand to two thousand and eleven. So bearing in mind the BJP haven't been in power all that time, so this has definitely been a long-standing problem from from generations ago. And I guess we don't really, I wouldn't necessarily know where it exactly started, but it has to always do with the government. It always has to do with making more money than you can actually give off. And in this case, realistically, the whole thing is because the government wants to have more control of what happens in terms of farmers. All all they want to be able to do is have minimum support prices that actually give them a living wage. That's all they're asking for. And in this case, what's happening is... um, they want to be able to sell directly to private firms and farmers are not being able to get be given that right so modi who is the is basically the prime minister of india um is basically saying actually we need to have licensed middlemen middlemen which is basically they're the ones who are going to take a significant part of the stake and they're going to be like right we're going to make more money for this and farmers in india are basically going to have to live on nothing and it's crazy because every third farmer in punjab is actually living below the poverty line and those prote- and those are the people who are protesting in Delhi right now, alongside people from Rajasthan, Haryana, and um, Uttar Ut- Ut- Pradesh, I think. But I think the fact that small and medium farmers that will definitely struggle with this, and and I think uh, all they're asking for is again, like I say, living wage. And how do you think the best way is for us to keep up with this, like with regards to the ongoing situation, and not only just this situation, but everything that's going on in South Asia at the moment? Yeah. Because obviously, um, it's easy to just like go onto any news website, like World News, and see what's going on, but it's not always going to be reported. So how do we keep keep up to date, and also how do we find information that we know is trustworthy, that we know isn't fake news basically mm, that's a sticky one i think it is really easy to get confused with what's real and what's fake yeah. because i have seen a few things come out in the last 24 hours really saying that it's like the biggest protest in the world in human history and stuff and i just don't think that's true because yeah. the numbers they were given don't seem real at all mm-hmm. and i think people reposting stuff like that sort of does discredit the issue a little bit because obviously yeah, yeah. if you're reposting fake news marketing it off as true like obviously that's an issue and that can't run but in terms of what we can do, I think there's a lot of infographics going around on social media. There's a lot of things to repost. There's a lot of images that are um, very, like, they're kind of they're a little bit graphic. They're very thought-provoking. That Those are good to repost. Like, BBC News um, did the post, and there's a picture of a farmer being hit. Yeah. Um, I saw that circulate a lot, especially yeah. when you're 
reach if you know your reach is non-Punjabi and non-South Asian specifically as well it's always good to get that Instagram activism out there yeah. social media yeah. activism and put the word out there because that's how you spread awareness but I think it's important for people to realise that they're not um, just limited to Instagram activism that there's there's different um, ways that they can donate and help so there's like Kalsa aid there's Kisani support aid there's Kisan support fund um, those are all really good charities that are actually helping on the ground in India and they're helping the farmers there so like I've donated to Kalsa aid myself and like I've put the link in my bio and I've directed people there if they would like to donate I know a lot of Sikh influencers on um, social media have done like raffles and like giveaways and stuff where you put money in and then obviously like it all goes to a good cause mm. um, and they've all been like collecting quite large sums of money for these places so there's um, a lot more you can do outside of social media as well while yeah. social media is still yeah. very important though for awareness sure um, I think we were talking a bit before actually about like the idea of performative activism yeah kind of leads on to the next thing so it's like how can we get non-South Asian people to recognise why it's important to share this injustice that's going on and this news that's going on without it being just the case of oh share instagram post on my story tick box done like yeah that's me doing yeah. like you know what i mean how do we yeah, get yeah. them to recognize importance like do the right thing but then not do the right thing in sense of just for the sake of it if that makes sense mm-hmm. i think it's hard because you can't force people to care and you can't force people to post or spread awareness for the right reasons when they're not doing it for the right reasons they don't believe in the right reason so there's no forcing anyone to care. There's no forcing anyone to go out there and spend the money on donations and things like that. That's, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. But I think the issue, not the issue, sorry, what what needs to happen is in order to get it out there, because I think we spoke last week, it's a massive echo chamber of just Punjabis or just South Asians posting about it. And therefore, it's not really getting out there. The reach isn't happening. Mm-hmm. So in order to prevent that and spread real, real awareness, is to just start the conversations face to face and just like really initiate the conversations and educate and take the time to kind of tell people what's going yeah. on um and that will bring light to the issue in a much more personal way than them yeah. seeing it on instagram because i think yeah. it's so easy to just click off a story yeah um so bringing it to light like that would definitely kind of raise awareness and probably would provoke their thoughts a little bit more yeah. to think about it yeah. i definitely agree i think uh for me it's just speaking to the man then like get yeah. them to know about it like i mean you spend like a majority of your time with them or like, whether it's your girlfriend your boyfriend whoever with my dad even if, if you want to like do you know what i mean like get them to hear it like get them to hear your 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 angst with it or like even if you're like you're not directly sikh or if you're indian or if you're bangladeshi or if you're pakistani or from the subcontinent or even if you're not like it doesn't really matter where as long as you're kind of getting this voice out getting the awareness out that's like a very valid point yeah. to make and again, when it comes down to getting, re- like you were saying, reasonable sources, I think it's kind of a tough one because when you listen to Asian news, um, don't know if there's any listeners out here, but if your dad's into politics, of which I'm pretty sure a lot of them are, and um, you'll probably be watching a lot of news and um, quote me if I'm wrong and you can, you can come at me if you need to, but actually don't, I'm really sensitive sometimes. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, you have to be wary of what kind of news you're listening to because there's a lot of sensationalism you'll yeah. be hearing so much from one opposing side which would it's kind of like your teacher in year seven just shouting at you going why did you why did you feel the need to chat why did you feel the need to ask and train us to school and blah 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 and like give you an absolutely pointless reason when you actually know for the fact like trainers ain't going to stop someone else from learning whatever yeah but it's kind of like that like whereas when you have like sensationalist news they'll be scra- shouting at you saying that oh the uh the 
the farmers in Punjab or Haryana or even Rajasthan like all are all being selfish actually yeah, yeah they've done this they've, they've done, done that, that they've done this yeah. so you should be listening to us because we're really right you know living off your very very comfortable millions and um you know i think the fact that all of this exists you have to look at different news mediums and if you're watching these take everything with a pinch of salt is the best thing you could do with any news form any news format you could probably look at look at things question it if you don't feel like it resonates right if you don't feel like it resonates right with you then you've got to understand that there's something whether that's an article that this company is written up or that company's written up question it mm-hmm. be inquisitive and and that's the first thing you have to do well, if you're an aspiring journalist, the first thing I remember being told the many, many years ago was question everything. Just don't take anything at face value because you really want to be able to get down to the like the nitty gritty. Fair enough. Um, probably going to have to round off this topic here. Mm. Just to finish off, um, Simran, do you just want to reiterate some of the places where people can go to to help the current situation um, with regards to the farmers in Punjab if they wish to? Yeah, for sure. So I think I'll, I'll shout out a couple of the other ones. One's Kisani and one's the Punjab Kisan Support Fund. But the main one I'd say is Khalsa Aid because they really are on the ground in India mm. and they're working with the farmers. They're providing them langar, which um, if, I, if you don't know what that is, that's free food kind of provided to them. And it's uh, one of the principles of Sikhi. So mm. that's kind of happening there on the ground. They really are involved and they're active in India. So if I think if you are going to donate, which would be great, direct it there. Great. Okay, so we are going to try and contact our other host, Halima. Um, I'm sure those of you that tuned in last week saw like how um, tentative I was with the phone. Hopefully this time it'll be a bit better. Let's test it out. It's like some mad kind of sorcery. I know, it's proper tense. Oh, my voice just cracked. Oh no. She might be busy with her family. Love that. Homely. You know what? She won the quiz last week, so she doesn't deserve the advantage. Is it your turn this week? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? You know what? You guys keep an eye on your phones. If she comments back, uh, if she like says, "Oh, I'm here," we can get her in. But in the meantime, cue the suspense music. I wasn't my not good enough for you. Is that what you're saying? What, what do you mean you're... What, my my yeah, suspenseful yeah. music. Oh, you're... <laughs> yeah, no. Jaws, man. No. Oh, right, okay. Get Let's copyrighted get on that. This is non-copyrighted quiz music. <laughs> it's free. YouTube. Exactly. Right. I didn't even... It's a good job I didn't give you time to revise, actually, because we wanted to be authentic. Right. So, obviously, Mango Masala, South Asian show, but... We have a bit of fun. He doesn't. This is the thing. Like, I actually attended a webinar on Thursday. Suspenseful music. Yeah, I was getting a bit. Yeah. I was getting a bit tense for this man. I was like, oh. um, I actually attended a webinar on Thursday evening, and it had a number of big faces in the media in there, all of whom were from South Asian origin. And the main message they got across was: just because you're Asian and in the media doesn't mean you have to just talk about Asian stuff mm. and I think that's something to bear in mind with this program like obviously we are amplifying South Asian voices experiences going to get people of um, young people of South Asian talent in but that doesn't mean that we have to solely talk about South Asian stuff like for example in this quiz we just we are South Asian people just doing a quiz and yes yeah, so I hope you enjoy that 
Back to the suspenseful music. Oh. Right, are we ready? So, the first... So, that's like last time, three sections. Mm-hmm. The first section is on famous landmarks. Are you not cultured? I was. I did geography on. A level. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. I did Maybe. geography and I. <laughs> right, okay. This time I'll give you an option of the question so it's not like breaked in anyway. So Simran, do you want one, two or three? Three. Three. Can you please tell me in which country Burj Khalifa is found? Is it A, UAE, B, Qatar or C, Beru? A, UAE. Is it the ding? Oh. I know it's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I honestly think that we actually won last week. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, it was him. There you go. What, wait, what? <laughs> you know what? You were talking on the chat and like, oh, we need to like plan like an uprising sort of thing. This is, what, this is what's going on here. Like, don't make me take away your like right answer. Well, yes, you I are winning. I answer in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Currently one nil to Simran. Oh no. Right. Moving on. The Ben, do you want one or two? I'll take two. Okay. Can you please tell me where Machu Picchu is? Is it A Peru, B Uruguay or C Chile? Peru. Give me the letter, please. Peru. That's not the letter. What was what was the letters? A Peru, B Uruguay or C Chile. Correct. So it's currently one one. Thank you. I didn't even hear the per- oh, I didn't even play the letters. I was so like convinced <laughs> on the letters. Like, oh my god, I'm tense. Right. The next section is who sang the original. So again, Simran, do you want one, two, or three? Two. Who sang the original? I will always love you by Whitney Houston. Ooh. Bet you didn't know that that was the original was song, did you? Houston. No, you didn't. Okay. So the option. So it's A. Tracy Chapman. B, Dolly Parton, or C, Celine Dion? A, Tracy Chapman. Well, like... Shameful. I'll be surprised. C. No. It, it, ben, do you know the answer? This isn't for your point, but do you know? Um, I want to say it's... Wait, no, wait, no. Did you say the other one was Celine Dion and then... Celine Dolly Dion pa- and Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton? Yeah, it is. It was originally like a country song. Oh, wait. I guess I'm gonna have to listen to that later. I love Dolly Parton. Yeah, I honestly I prefer Whitney's version, but mm. this is still good. So right, it's currently one-one. Ben, you have a chance to get in the lead here. Do you want one or three? Oh, I'm gonna say three. Right. Who sang the original? Oh. One second. Hello, Halima. You okay? No worries. How are you? I'm alright. Am I live? Am I on air? Yes, you are live and on air. You've just interrupted our quiz, actually. Thank God. (laughs) We're on round number two. Um, I'll come back to you for your questions so you can have a chance to catch up. Alright, great, 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 great. Okay, cool. Right. We cue the suspenseful music. Right, so, 
Where were we? Right, so who sang the original version of Proud Mary by Ike and Tina Turner, Ben? Is this A, The Doors, B, Simon and Garfunkel, or C, Credence Clearwater Revival? Oh, no. Um, do you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought the original version was by Tina Turner. Um, guess I'm wrong. Um, can you repeat what the last one was again? Uh, Credence Clearwater Revival. I want to say it's C. Yes. So, Ben, you're currently in the lead, 2-1. Right, Halim, I'm going to do your two questions now, if that's all right. Yeah, go on. Great. So, first question. Can you please tell me the country that this famous landmark is in? So, the famous landmark is the Angkor Wat Temple. Is it in... All right, show off. She's like, zing. (laughs) We got time. Right, just <laughs> let me read out the answers first. Right. Right, so currently it's one, two, one. Um Halima, you have a chance to get in tied first place here. Um Who sang the original of Respect by Aretha Franklin? Was it A James Brown, B Diana Ross, or C Otis Redding? Gonna go for A, which was James Brown. Sure. So it's A, James Brown, B, Diana Ross, or C, Otis Redding. Oh, that is correct, which unfortunately yeah. means Simran, you're now at the bottom. Obviously. Yep. Hi, so, Bob. so Ben and Halima, it's currently your chance to win here right last section recent news right Simran I'll come to you first I've lost yeah. what? right that's such right that's such, such a, a loser spirit like oh well, I've lost so I don't want to partake okay. of the quiz anymore well okay you should want to partake this is fun it's like Monopoly Christmas all over again <laughs> go on go on right Spoiler alert for those listening, anyone who hasn't watched the I'm a Celebrity final, probably don't okay. tune in, but just cover up for a second. Right. Giovanna won I'm a Celebrity last night. Which McFly member is she married to? Is it A, Harry, B, Tom, or C, Danny? <gasps> I know the answer. It's okay. not your question. Damn. <laughs> you should know your McFly knowledge. B. I don't even know which name was which one. <laughs> That's correct. Come on. Amazing. Tom Fletcher. Amazing oh, songwriter. Oh, it. Right, so currently it could end in a, a draw. If you oh, want. We do have a tiebreaker question, though. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Ooh, Ooh that's tense music. has got tenser. Right. Coming back to you, Ben. Yeah. Your question, again, related to recent news. Which song charted at number one on the UK singles chart yesterday? Is it A, Sweet Melody by Little Mix, B, Positions by Ariana Grande, or C, Last Christmas by Wham? God. Oh no, because it's Christmas time, I really want to say it's Last Christmas, but I want to say Seven Positions by Ariana Grande, given TikTok recently. That's what I'm going to go off. 
That is correct. You did say seven positions, which technically is just positions. Oh, is but it? Like, I couldn't I, use a seven ring. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll accept. I know what you're talking about. Right, so currently it's 2-3-2. Two, two. Halima, this is your chance to get in first place and go on to the tiebreaker question. Okay. So, your question is, which country recently became the second country after America to put a flag on the moon? Oh, yes, yeah, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking that. Oh, guess it. Right. So it's, is it A, Canada, B, Russia, or C, China? It was C, China, which means, Ben, you have won this week's quiz. Wait, what? Oh, that? Oh, good. You know, That's great stuff. You know what, like, I was <laughs> doing this quiz because I thought, oh, this is a little bit of light-hearted humour towards the end of the show. Everyone can enjoy it. But Simran, who just moans about I how he's getting the question. You've got Halima, who just joins whenever she wants. And you've got <laughs> Ben, who, like, is just, like, doesn't even care that he's won. Like, he cares. What? He's I trying care. to play it off. I'm trying to play it off. No, I, ca I care a lot that I've lost, by the way. Let's have Ben. Watch out. Watch my You got me last time, man. Ben's <laughs> like... trying to play it off. Because he's wanted to win that for two weeks. I've been wanting to win that for two weeks. That is very true. He won it the first week because it was just you doing it. That's true. <laughs> anyway, um, how are you doing, Halima? Um, not Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Are you yourself feeling like well though? No, I'm. Yeah, I'm fine. Like me and my, me and one other sister, we're like we're fine. But as a result of that, we're literally just running around after This is like your work experience. Um, who's the other person that hasn't got COVID in your house? So has she been helping out as well? situation is something that's like not exclusive to but yeah. certainly definitely a well like that you'd expect this to be the situation mm. in i would say bame household overall but also yeah, like south yeah, asian especially yeah, like i yeah. think if you if you're like a, a white family who had covid like i can definitely imagine if they isolate together if you ask the kids to make dinner for them they'd be like absolutely not you can go stuff yourself or do it yourself yeah, that's yeah, not an option for us is it like no no way honestly it's, it's crazy but well, yeah i'm basically like yeah i'm Sure, yeah. Um, no. 
I was just saying, like, it's mad how, like, you know you can, like, be isolated. Like, for say, for example, because you're negative, right? Yeah, so, like, but then surely you're isolating your house. What if you, like, caught it on the last day of your isolation? Right. Like, I don't yeah. get that. Like, just owls, man. I mean, I'm just, I'm not obviously, like, touch wood, that doesn't happen. There's no, where's the wood in the studio? I don't know, but, like, um, yeah, but that's something like, you wouldn't know as well. But I'm just like, it, surely that kind of points that the, the system is kind of not no, there isn't, for purpose. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? It's like, not everything's fit for purpose. I don't know. <sighs> right, what are you up to for the rest of the day today, though, Halima? Cooking and cleaning, my love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, any, at any point you ask me during this isolation period, that's the only answer you're gonna get. Cooking and cleaning. That's all I'm doing. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, it is one minute to five, which unfortunately means we have come to the end of our first episode of Mango Masala. Oh. You've got to wake up a whole other week before you hear our dulcet tones down on your radio again. But we'll be back. We'll be back with Halima as well. Be the first time all yeah. four presenters are together. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. No, it should be really good. Um, more tunes, more conversation, just more quizzes, hopefully. <laughs> Yay, another quiz for me to lose. Yay. Uh, right, right, cut the show, cut the show. <laughs> it's done. Right. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys, for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the first episode of Mango Masala. Um, if you want to follow our follow our journey, should we say that? Follow our journey. Yeah. Sure. It is at Mango Masala Radio on Instagram, um, at Mango Masala MCR on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook. If you type Mango Masala, you should find us as well. It's great. Thanks a lot for listening and. We will see you next week. See ya. Take care. Have a lovely week, everyone.